Yo, partnership alert, partnership alert, partnership alert. Living Corporate has a partnership with LinkedIn Learning, an American massive open online course provider that provides video courses taught by industry experts across a wide array of subjects. Now, the partnership is because Living Corporate has courses on LinkedIn Learning focused on diversity, equity, inclusion for leaders, career professionals, and anyone really looking to upskill themselves and be better allies. So make sure you check out our courses on LinkedIn Learning by clicking the link in the show notes. And let's just say you don't want to do that. You go to LinkedIn Learning on LinkedIn, search Living Corporate. We'll be right there. All right. Peace. What's up, y'all? This is Zach with Living Corporate. And I don't know if y'all remember, but a few months ago on, we had Cam Ward or Cambrell Ward. Cambrell is the head of diversity, inclusion, and belonging at LiveRamp. And we just kicked it off. Really appreciate our conversation on and off mic. And uh, I'm just really excited about this announcement, which is you're about to listen to our inaugural kickoff of the live ramp leadership spotlight series. So, you know what I'm saying? I'm not even going to hold y'all super long. Just know um, this conversation that we had um, with some of live ramps, senior most leaders, movers and shakers within their DIB realm and, and how they're really like impacting beyond that. Just very exciting, very inspiring, very encouraging conversations. So I'm really looking forward to y'all hearing this discussion that we had uh, with Cam and Ro. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about their roles and how they work together between the connection between um, DEI or DIB and employee experience. And there's just a, there's a lot there. I'm excited for y'all to check it out. Before we do that, we're going to tap in with Tristan. What's going on, Living Corporate? It's Tristan, and I want to thank you for tapping back in with me as I provide some tips and advice for professionals. In this episode, I want to discuss the best time to schedule your job interview. When we get the call about interviews, we're usually caught off guard and really excited. We want to make sure we have enough time to gather our thoughts and prepare, so we schedule our first interview a week out. Makes sense, right? Well, when we do that, we are actually allowing our competition to get a huge advantage in the interview process. The people who are able to choose a sooner time, like the next day or two, may do well during their call, and if the hiring manager is available, they may schedule the next interview within another day or so. This means that by the time you get to your first interview, others may have already gone through two rounds of interviews and the company may be considering extending an offer, but here you are at level zero. Moral of the story is, timing is everything, and I suggest you choose the soonest day possible to schedule your interview. While we're at it, let's talk about the best time of day to schedule your interview. I usually suggest to get a time between 10 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. Since it's early in the day, your interviewer is more likely to be fully present instead of just going through the motions. It allows you enough time to get to the interview destination without the stress of rush hour traffic and isn't too late in the day where your anxiety may get the best of you while waiting. While these two things may not guarantee a one-up over your competition, you don't want to progress slower throughout the process or be counted out because your interviewer had the itis and couldn't pay attention. 
This tip was brought to you by Tristan of Layfield Resume Consulting. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Layfield Resume, or connect with me, Tristan Layfield, on LinkedIn. Ro, Cam, how y'all doing? What's up? What's up? How you hello, doing? Hello. Uh, so first of all, I, I just want to, you know, I want to thank you. I thank you both for taking the time to be, uh, to be here, be on Living Corporate part of this um, live ramp and Living Corporate's leadership spotlight series. Let's just start with so Cam Rolla. You know, again, happy that y'all are here. A lot of folks, uh, I know for me, I'll be honest, right? I, I've heard of live ramp. But I was like, what is live ramp? Like, what do y'all actually do? What, like, Cam, what do y'all do? So listen, the one liner, right? Live ramp make it safe and easy to use data effectively, right? So you still might say, well, what does that even mean, right? <laughs> right? Which is totally okay. Which is totally okay. Because Ro has a human example of how to explain exactly what live ramp does. So Ro. So here's here's my example. So you know sometimes you're shopping on the internet. Let's say you're looking for a pair of jeans, gonna look good this summer. And then you go on to another big website or another website and you're like, hey, now I'm getting ads for jeans. How did that happen? Well, LiveRamp is the is a company that helps utilize that data to personalize your experience online, right? So I, I actually think it's kind of neat because it used to be I would get like a bunch of ads for Ford F-150 trucks. I lived in San Francisco and I'm like, what? I don't need a Ford F-150 truck. At any point in my life, do I need a Ford F-150 truck? But do I want um, ads for incredibly cute uh, pet toys for my pet rabbit, Chibi? Um, I do. I do want those because then I now have way too many. But um, actually, maybe I don't want as many of them because then... I get too many of them. But anyway, that being said, that's what LiveRamp does, right? It personalizes that experience on your phone or whenever, wherever you're shopping or wherever you're looking so that what you're seeing is really personalized to you and you're not getting random ads. That's really cool. Thank you both. Let's just start with LiveRamp's journey to create a place where folks, um, everyone felt like they could belong. Like, where do you believe this, this sentiment, this, I don't even know what you want to call it, but like this, this journey, like where do you believe it started? So for me, it started with Ro, honestly, and she will be very bashful, right, about saying, no, it didn't, it didn't. But um, so from my understanding, and Ro, please jump in in a second, um, I feel like this journey started with people like Ro raising their hands, saying that this stuff is important and the, co and the company needs to take more of a focus. Now, this prior before CAM existence at LiveRamp, I was not here, but you have many people at LiveRamp where we empower people, which is one of our values, and Rowan exhibited that thing when she stood up, stood up and said, hey, we need ERGs. Hey, we need to focus more on this stuff. And I know I have an entire day job, but I think this is important and I want to take this on as well. And that's the culture here at LiveRamp, people leaning in, even though it's not their job. And um, I think that's what makes us pretty unique. Um, so I, I would, I've been at the company for about four years now. When I started, the company we were pretty small. We were basically only one office. 
And it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of things about culture that was super formal other than our values, which a lot of them have kind of stood, stood the test of time. But um, when I started, I was actually just an office manager. I managed the front desk. I made sure there was milk in the fridge. Um, that that kind of stuff, and uh, one of the big things that I that I love doing was managing all of the events in the office. I am Filipina, I'm a woman, and um, I identify as LGBTQ. So during those celebration and events, I wanted to highlight like my identity and my friends' identities. And when you run events, you get the opportunity to decide who gets to be put on stage, who gets to be celebrated, and. I wanted to do that with my friends. Uh, that's why I worked at Live Ramp, and it was just—it was just that. It was just me and my friends um, wanting to celebrate the things that we love and having a, a place to do that. Um, but I think as it evolved, people wanted more than that. They wanted developments. They wanted to be seen and heard more than just celebrated. They—they they wanted um, some of their concerns addressed, and and what was kind of started as oh this is fun came to hey we need more than that um and and the company you know wanted to they kind of started seeing it but i think the big turning point for us was summer 2020 i think it was a big turning point for a lot uh, a lot of companies but you know the george floyd um protest really brought a lot out of people i think it, it was the fire that the company needed to really invest in DIB, to make it top priority. I don't think it wasn't a priority. Again, like we, 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 they always wanted us to celebrate who we were, but I think that summer, everyone kind of got this fire um, to want to do something more than, than just enjoy the space. <laughs> um, so it, it actually started moving really fast following that summer uh, because we already had you know, women, people of color, people from the LGBTQ community, they were already in influential roles throughout the company. We just never really talked about it much. Uh, but those people were already in the company. So they were invested. The business started to be invested in it. And and they were just like, hey, this is now important. This is important in our space. This is important in our identity. Let's make this a thing. And by that, yes. by that fall, we hired Cam. Um, that was what? What are you here? A year, Cam? Um, and at, at a year's time, the team has already grown to three people. I mean, there's a full-fledged team in, in less than two years because the company cared about it and the business was ready to invest in it. Um, so again, I think it really did start really organically, but as soon as the fire literally started lighting in, in our spaces, uh, the business kind of just jumped in to really support that, which is a really special, I think it's a really special thing uh, for someone working in tech. Uh, this is my first tech job too. So I didn't really expect my business to do that uh, or a business to do that. So I thought that was really special. You know, it's curious, both of you, um, even just in this very, or just very quickly into the interview, talk very glowingly about each other. Clearly there's synergy there in terms of how you both work together and and you coordinate. Uh, I'm curious, I would love to hear from each of you what your perspective is on the strategic through line between um, employee experience and diversity, inclusion, and belonging. How do those things work together tactically and practically at LiveRamp? So I have this thought process about treating people like people. 
The only way you can treat people like people is through understanding that individuals are individual people and respecting them and treating them that way. And in that way, what you do is you treat people with respect, right? And that's one of the missions of diversity work, right? Don't lump people together, treat them like people. And then the whole culture piece around uh, the employee experience is through diversity, is through the diversity lens. So my thing is to treat diversity like the thing and not another thing inside of any organization and any integration that is that holds true with employee experience. How do you treat employees with respect? How do you treat employees like they matter? How do you show up and show that you care through diversity and do the work of diversity work? Because we care about, do you notice that? We care about the hearts and the minds of the individuals every day. We we are entrusted with the culture of the company. So we have to be in lockstep, right? And we do that through strategic programming. We do that through practices like road team and I team right now is game planning for the next six months because we want to do it through a diversity lens. If more organizations looked at every business and every team and every model through a diversity lens, then things like the great resignation would be a sm on a smaller scale because then we're saying that we care about people and we want to make sure people are treated fairly no matter where they're from and where, no matter who they are. I think for me, um, again, I came in this pretty organically. I have no background in DIB, no formal training, no formal education. The only thing that I'm here is I identify as things. So it, for me, it's not it's not a vision or a strategy strategy. It's just me um, or what I or what I perceive. And if I feel like this is a way that I want to be respected and treated, that seems like the right thing for DIB. Uh, so the big thing, what happened when, you know, Cam kind of came in, he brought in a lot of vision and strategy. And I got to be able to bring in the people side of it. And especially because I've worked here for so long, I I'm pretty integrated with a lot of the people here. So you need that vision and strategy to help guide the business and, and help guide where we're going with DIB as a whole. But for me, the employee experience part is it matters even more how people act or engage with that strategy. Because you can put a strategy in place, but if the people who work at the company don't actually follow those things or they don't believe in that or it doesn't really truly support the people that it's trying to support, you're not going to create that change that you want to see. Um, it's not going to really impact anyone or support the people that you wanted to support. Um, I don't sit on the DIB team to this day anymore. Um, Cam has his own team and I, I have my own employee experience team myself. But the, that doesn't matter because being on the DIB team doesn't mean that they're the only people that is, is running DIB. It has to be weaved into the company, has to be weaved into people because Cam and his team, like they're not going to make DIB successful at LiveRamp on their own. It has to be throughout the company with its people and how people experience and engage throughout the company. Um, that, that's how you'll see the actual change. Otherwise, it's just a, a really nice vision and strategy that you put on a website. Um, the, the people's kind of what Cam said, like their hearts and minds have to be involved in it um, and, and they both have to work well together. What has, I mean, again, you continue to talk about this synergy and thank you, uh, Ro, you know, how is your collective um, employee experience and diversity and inclusion belonging strategy evolved over time? And then like, 
how did the murder of George Floyd serve as a lightning rod moment or not? Uh, but was there anything that kind of helped facilitate that evolution? It, it was very grassroots, very the people doing things that the people wanted to do um, and and being in, a, in that place. But now I think it has it it has changed so much because now it is a strategy. Right. Like it's not just the people doing things that we want to do. We're we're really trying to influence the business and creating a strategy that will create that change long term. If it's just grassroots people saying, hey, this is important. We want to create change. And there's not a cam and there's not a strategy. It's just going to be it's going to be hard to actually create any type of change. So we're in a corporate setting. It's it's not. I mean, I think that's probably the case with anything, like even if you're in a political setting, unless you have the backing of the leadership, it's not going to move the way that you want it, at least not at the speed that you want. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest evolutions is it's gone from grassroots to, to like a true business entity. Um, and I think some of the, the challenges of that is just making those two pieces work well together, the grassroots and the business the business and the people. Um, it's not that they can't, it's just sometimes they see things a little bit differently. You know, what, what's your thoughts, Cam? Yeah, so I, I would echo those sentiments when I came on board about a year ago. Um, it was about like, let's see what we've done already. Let's reevaluate, let's uh, evaluate, let's look at the items and let's just try to figure out how to get those wins that are continue the momentum of summer 2020. Cause we know summer 2020 was a, a, a very pivotal shift for diversity work in a corporate setting, right? Uh, never, never have it ever been such a sequence of incidents that I've in my lifetime that I've seen that really made a shift in corporate so quickly, good, bad, or indifferent, no matter how it happened or why it happened, no matter the motivation behind it, we can all align on the commonality around diversity was the thing, right? No matter how we got there, it was something, right? So, um, so when I came into the role, it was more about let's figure out what needs to be done. We're doing some things, but we need to take it to the next level. The 2.0 is what I kept hearing, right? Roe Ro is doing such an amazing job at the, at the things she's doing now, but how can we up-level? How can we make it a business thing? How can we create buy-in at the highest level and continue to keep that buy-in? Because we know that, that passion only gets you so far, right? When, when summer 2020, fall 2020, if it wasn't just for passion, it would have died out and would have been a new, another news cycle and everybody would have disappeared. But now we had the hearts and the minds of leadership and they wanted to get involved because they cared about their individuals. So from there, we catapulted it uh, into a space where we were not, not just trying to do feel good programs, programs where people see individuals. Now we're talking about programs that has strategic alignment to the bottom line, right? How do we continue to stay in the black? How do we continue to grow our business? How do we continue to, to drive, drive the market in our space, right? And how does diversity sit at that table, if you will, or sit in those meetings and make sure they conduct some type of diversity lens or turns in every space, right? So you went from the, oh my God, this is a thing. This is feel good. Let make sure people are seen and heard in the workplace to let's provide access, education, 
business model. Let's provide an opportunity for us to pitch to customers and clients, future clients about diversity and what we're doing and how, and make sure everyone is aligned. So, so Zach, full transparency, I never seen so many diversity suppliers requests from clients have I seen this past year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I promise you that's like a full thing now. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to answer these questions mm -hmm. because now companies are, are more locked into the fact that diversity is important. So if you have a diversity metric, diversity supplier, da, 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 it makes sense now. So it's awakening. Like you said, it's a lightning rod. It made us push more and I'm excited about the future of it. Yeah, I'm curious, you know, as we talk about all of this growth and change and, you know, and even now there's people have various points of view in terms of like, is this just a moment and not a movement? And there's pessimism on, um, on what this really means. You know, my perspective is that, you know, this, this prioritization around workplace equity, employee experience, um, those things are not going away. They might not make headlines, but they're not going to go away as points of focus and emphasis for organizations, company to company, especially as you think about really engaging and attracting top talent. I'm curious, have there been any growing pains as this space, both of you, Ro, Cam, as y'all continue to evolve um, and LiveRamp's footprint continues to expand? So I think for I think for us and I'll, and I'll jump in real quick. I think for us the growing pain is DIB is how you scale it, how you continue to keep it top of mind and make people care about it at the highest level. Like there is some care, but you have to always care about DIB at the highest level because it deals with the hearts and minds of individuals. Never have you ever a space in a company where you deal so much with the upbringing of individuals. Like you can teach someone how to code, then you can tell them how to code certain things. You can teach someone a product and tell them how to product certain things. In DIB, you inherit what someone has been wired for however long they've been living, mm -hmm. which is vastly different from any other thing, right? So you always have to care about DIB at the highest level. So growing pain for us is how to scale and how to move as fast as the company is moving. Right. How to be intentional about our efforts around our strategy plan and making sure individuals as individuals and leaders switch out. Right. As we hire and as the people leave and as people grow, how do we continue to the messaging of DIP is the thing at live ramp and not another thing? How do we continue to make sure DIP is top of mind for everyone and everyone can see their themselves at our table and and everyone is actually being a teammate and a champion for our space we have this um saying internally that we are all guardians of dib right everybody plays a role in dib how do we continue to make that happen even through the transition of leaders even through the transition of our workforce and keep that culture strong right those are the things that's top of that's what I, that's what keep me up at night right now is that I, I agree that I think scaling for any company, but especially for ours, because of just how quickly we're growing. I mean, we, we're hiring at a at a crazy rate, and there's just people joining. We we're, we're up to like what over 1,200 people. Um, four years ago, there was like 
400 people. So, I mean, the company is just growing at such a huge speed. And just because you have a team like CAMS doesn't mean that everyone's at the same level of understanding too. You have people all over the country, all over the world, and their understanding of DIB is really, really different. Um, so how do you get everyone on that journey and understanding that same thing? It's, it's hard to talk about DIB because people see it so differently when you're a company of this size. Um, I think scaling that is really tough. Um, the other thing I think is really tough with scaling is because again, our comp I, we're, I'm on the workplace team. So scaling when you have 1200 people, 13 offices, that's hard to do because doing something for everyone now is a bigger budget. It's a heavier lift. This perspectives are really different now, right? So take something like showing gratitude. When you're a small company, you buy someone cupcakes, you give them a shout out, it's all nice and dandy. But now buying somebody cupcakes to show them appreciation, if you buy right. everyone at the company cupcakes, that's several hundred thousand dollars, you know? And, right. and showing gratitude means something really, really different from people all over the world. Some people love public shout outs. Some people hate public shout outs and want a, a personal note written to them. Shout, gratitude and, and showing appreciation just varies so much. So mm. how do you make sure you see people as people when there's so many people? How, how do you possibly scale that? Uh, how do you make personalization a thing when there's 1200 people at a company that also is distributed and most of them never see each other? Uh, that's a really tough challenge, I think, for, for DIB workplace, kind of the working world now, is you don't want to be a number. You want to be seen for who you are, uh, but now you're not seeing people in person <laughs> and there's so many more people to know. Um, I, I just think that that's just going to be a scaling challenge for, for every company and every team. Um, and then kind of my last point on scaling, because it is just it's super top of mind for me, too, is when this started, it was grassroots. It was the people. It was you know, people like me who just took it on as my additional job. But now that this is big, how do you still involve us without burning us out? How do you involve the people to be part of the strategy, be involved in making the change, but they have day jobs, they have other things that they're doing and they can't, especially people of color, people in, in these communities, they can't fully carry the burden of progressing that company forward or our company forward. So how do you give them support and power and empower them to, to, to do things, but don't give them the full weight of making the change that you want to see for that company? How do you scale that? I think is really hard because you don't want to take it away from them. They're the ones who it started with and they're the ones who it's for, but you also don't want to burn them out by asking them to carry that torch for you and make that kind of change. So uh, I think scaling is the bottom line word challenge for for growing pains for any company. But um, yeah, those are for me that's top of mind. As each of you, um, you look at the next 18 months, we're talking about, let's just say between now and the end of next year. What does the future look like for for Dib and uh, employee experience and LiveRamp? Honestly, we're going to continue to uh, learn, right? Uh, we're going to continue to be educated and we're going to continue to meet the needs of our people.
And I say that wholeheartedly because that's top of mind for me. Like I thought about this question and I thought about, you know, do I want to give you my big five year commitment strategy that I got and all this other stuff and continue. But at the at the at the heart of it is about people. At the heart of it is about hearing people, listening to people and meeting their need. Uh, it's not about what Dip can do. It's not about what LiveRap can do. It's not hell. It's not even what about what Cam can do. It's about what we can do collectively as a human race, honestly, to take care of the individuals that are marginalized. So for me, I'm trying to keep that top of mind and keep focused on that North Star, right? Uh, and then by practicing these things and making them and making it purposeful, you know, we will then enhance our community and hopefully make road job a bit easier. Right, <laughs> right. So, um, yeah. So, so that's the thought process for us in the next eighteen months. Continue to learn, continue to listen, continue to be humble, and continue to be agile because you got to pivot. Right, what you think will work this quarter might not necessarily work if you don't necessarily uh, know how to pivot. Right, so continue to be agile and be be what individuals need us to be within the company. That's my thought process. Yeah, for me. I've thought about this quite a bit. What What's most important for a company right now? I mean, I actually think what's most important for people is just being able to create meaningful connections right now. Um, that's just hard. I think people are in a place like it's been almost two years of COVID, summer of 2020. I think people are still healing from that and will continue to heal from that. Um, there's fires, there's uh, global warming effects, there's there's so much news and pain. And I, I think that people just need to find a place where they feel like they belong, uh, that they connect with people, that there's meaning in their lives, and that they have a way to give back to things that are meaningful, that they can affect the changes that they want to see, that they have relationships and um, connections with people that that are meaningful in general and and then just being able to actually find joy find other people that you love music with together you love dogs with together you love talking about what you made for lunch because now you're making yourself lunch uh, instead of coming to the office and make lunch uh, just finding joy and connection and meaning in any of the places that we can i think that's that's to me what's going to be really important for dib and employee experience just for a while because people are, it looks so different than it did in the past. The way to find joy and connection used to be you show up in an office and you see a person and that's how you connect, but that's so different. Like the world is so different. So how do you find that stuff now? How do you create that meaning? How do you find that connection um, with Zoom, with separation, with all of this news that's not changing? And it just, everyone just feels the weight of the world. How do you find a place where they feel like, okay, like, yes, that's still happening, but I'm with people that I feel safe with. I'm people who understand me and I, I feel like I belong here. And at least I, I know the, I know that there's a community that surrounds me. Uh, to me, that's, that's what we have to kind of do for, for the next, I don't know, year, forever. Um, and you kind of talked about, do you think that this is a trend DIB or even exploring experience. And I, and I, I think it's only a trend mm. if we allow it to be. And I, I think by putting people like Cam in a place of power, putting systems in place, putting a strategy into a company, it, it can't dissipate because there's people who are backing it. And, um, you know, LiveRamp isn't a company that has 
a mission to change the change DIB. That that's not what our company is actually for. We create a product, and it's an it's a it's a great product and it's a meaningful product. But um, you know, people wonder like why why wouldn't you go work for a nonprofit? Why wouldn't you go uh, create change in a different way? Well, I actually think that it, working at a company like LiveRamp that has so much influence, we can actually be a catalyst for change in a way that needs change in a, in a space that needs change, which is tech, right? Um, so if we can create and make LiveRamp kind of like an example, the uh, a place where people really feel like they belong, that DIB really is thriving, other people can use that as an example and say, hey, this is how we could do that. People could learn from us. And, and even though we're still learning ourselves, we can start to be that example and create that change within our industry that that then trickles throughout the world. If, if people only went into nonprofit work and thought that that's how you create change, I think that we're kind of going on the inside by working in a tech company and saying, hey, we can create change with something that is already influential. And, and the bigger that LiveRamp gets, the more influential it gets. And I, I have my stock money bet on that it's going to get bigger and influential. Um, the more that we have a bigger responsibility and an ability to change the way that people engage with each other in, in the workspace and the way that they treat each other in the workspace. So I, I think that we have a really awesome opportunity to create actual change and that we're doing that by, by integrating it into something that exists and fighting it from within. Um, so I don't think that that was actually part of the question, but I really wanted to be able to say that. On the it's your, first of all, first of all, you know, this is a live with living corporate uh, lead series. Okay. So it's your question if you want, if you want to be your question. Um, <laughs> this is great. I want to thank you, uh, Cam Rowe, for being a guest on Living Corporate. Phenomenal conversation. Y'all, make sure you check out the links in the show notes. Learn more about what LiveRamp is doing. Learn more about uh, their leadership, some of their uh, the plans around uh, DIB. And uh, thank y'all both. We'll talk to y'all soon. And we're back. Yo, shout out to LiveRamp. Thank you so much uh, for working and partnering with Living Corporate to really have these really dope conversations. Y'all, listen, we're going to be here for a second, all right? So check in with us on this particular series every other week. All right. But trust, we're going to be talking about live ramp over the next, you know, six weeks or so, even if they're not on that episode. All right. So just keep your ears peeled. And I'm just really excited. Look, this is really fun. Um, we have some really dope conversations lined up. If that doesn't kind of give you a taste of what we're really going to be talking about with live ramp for the next few weeks. Um, but uh, look, make sure. You give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friend about us. Also, check out the links in the show notes to learn more about LiveRamp, learn more about Canberra Award, and learn more about just their leadership team and what they got going on over there. All right? Till next time, this has been Zach. Peace. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com.
Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.